It's Celtics coverage on CLNSRadio.com. Right now and share your thoughts toll free three four seven two one five seven 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 one. Or don't. Or or just don't call us tonight. Just don't. Honestly, really, this is what they give us, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Celtics post game show on CLNS Media. My name is Matt Rury, and I'm here with Nick Sacento, and I'm going to be pulling his teeth out for the next hour talking about this game. Um, honestly, Celtics lose this one. They lose their fourth in a row at home, 105 to 104. And there are so many things wrong with the end of this game that I just – I don't know where to start. Um, but I will say that I am going to praise Oklahoma City. And I, actually, Nick, I may spend more time than needed w- talking about how they're so good and why they're so good because – that's a team that I think has surprised everybody this year. Uh, and the Celtics, like I just said, dropped a, a heartbreaking, tough loss down to the wire at home against uh, Chris Paul and the Thunder tonight. So uh, where do you want to start? Because I've, I've got a lot of thoughts flowing through my head right now. <sighs> yeah. How not to feel sick to your stomach after watching uh, what the Boston Celtics did. And I mean, there was, as you know, a, a homer for the Boston Celtics. You look at some of those calls and you want to shake your head, but the, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder just really, offensively and defensively. And I, you said Chris Paul, and the first words that thought came to my mind was uh, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I feel like the Nets game, if not if not a little bit worse, because you get to watch some guy named Gerald Levert or whatever his name is, you know, from the Nets, you know, roast, roast, uh, have a, have a career. I mean, and that's not even just a career game. I mean, when you score, what did he have? 51, 52 points on the Celtics that night. Uh, that, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a season, you know what I'm saying? That's like, he'll be mentioned amongst, you know, one of the better performances of this NBA season. Oh yeah, for sure. 50 points is huge. Absolutely. And especially late in the game. And then to come and watch this game, because I had missed the previous, you know, L's to the Utah Jazz and, and other teams. And, of course, the glorious win uh, over the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in Shemi Ojale's, you know, 21-point career game. What a career game for Shemi Ojale against the Cavaliers. Four, uh, zero, four big out of zero the last five are L's. Zero's across. Yeah. Four out of the last five games for the Celtics are L's. I understand load management, but, I mean, you can't take games like this and drop them. This is a game at home. This is a game they had, you know, in, yeah. in the pocket I mean, until the third quarter. This can't happen so many times in such a short, you know, period of time. This is beginning no, load, to draw questions. Load management is one thing, Nick, but, I mean, Jalen Brown's the only one that missed time. These guys are relatively healthy. Kimball Walker played 30 minutes tonight. His minutes restriction is, is getting uh, higher, I think. Um, the rotation was what it's probably going to be just without Jalen Brown. So I guess the, the question is, it, 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 should people really be start to be concerned that this team doesn't have a killer instinct or something? Because down the stretch of this game, there were just so many missed opportunities. Kemba Walker missed a layup with less than two minutes to go. Jason Tatum missed a layup before that crazy sequence where he ended up making a layup to put the Celtics up one before a terrible call on the other end against Steven Adams, who, by the way, missed both free throws. So if you want to complain about that that call, maybe box out Chris Paul on the free throw. Maybe that. How yeah. about that? Maybe maybe yeah. make sure Chris Paul doesn't get the free throw rebound because of all people, like he's he just snuck right in there. And I've noticed this time and time again over the past few games the Celtics are not boxing out anymore. They're not playing hard on the rebounds. And I don't know if, if uh, a lack of Ennis Cantor in the game tonight was a, a part of that. And I don't know why he's not seeing minutes in a game like this tonight. I think he could have been effective uh, on the rebounds a, a little bit, but for whatever reason, he was uh, not in the lineup tonight. They, they leaned more heavily on Daniel Tice, which I believe in. I think uh, I, I want to get into Tice as well during the show because he might be turning out to be one of the best values as far as the money they're paying him uh, in the entire league versus his production. Um, 
But I, I'm wondering also, I'm worried, Nick, that they are going to lean on Robert Williams a little too much. I think he had a pretty good game tonight, but I was a little surprised that, that he played this well. And I think that their optimism about him is uh, giving them more hope than they, they deserve. I think that they should be going in a different direction and focusing more on Tyson and, and Cantor uh, than Robert Williams. But who am I? Who am I to be questioning the great Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, you know? Um, I just recently, the, the the effort, especially late in games, has been a problem. And they're going to need to figure out a way to fix that if they're going to have any sort of success and I mean, people are starting to talk about the, the uh, weighing the differences between health in the playoffs and home court advantage. And I think that's a tough uh, situation for the Celtics right now because it's going to be tough, very difficult to win in Toronto. So I, I would want them to grab that two seed. But we've seen if, if they're not healthy, then they're maybe they're not as good as people maybe think they, they uh, could be, you know. I mean, this is the team that we saw, you know, tear up the league in the first half of the season. So, I mean, there is there is the, the talent there. I, I don't know if this is a, a, a matter of um, greater than the sum of their parts when they're healthy. You kind of get, you know, the, the full thrust. You, I don't, I've been saying for the whole season, and I, I know Jason Tatum has had an outstanding season, and I think logically I would say, you know, Jason Tatum has clearly become – uh, the best player on this team, even though he didn't have the greatest of nights tonight. I don't think 8 for 22 is anything to write home about. But I, I do think that this team is a, just – it misses a lot of things. Maybe it's Jalen. I just think when, you know, Jalen is not playing in the game, I think that the, this team is 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 worse. He, he's, the, he's the least replaceable, I think, of those – of those pieces, in my opinion, I mean that that's I I I don't have any stats or any you know win loss record with or without Jalen Brown to back that up, but I really think that Jalen is 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 consistent. You can look at Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum, and, and I, you don't want to complain about 19 points from a guy who's only in his third season. I mean, they're what is he in his fourth season now? Uh, for a guy that's only in his third season, uh, but for you know the consistency's sake. Um, I think you just get more from Jalen Brown on both ends. Not more in terms of, you know, raw production, but more consistency, consistency on both ends sure. of the court. Yeah, yeah no, you might be right court. about and that. I think you, he, might be, he might be that anchor that you need, um, you know, there at the wing position that does, you know, both things, you know, fairly well. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't speak on the, the centers. No, because I, I, personally I think you're like on to something. Williams. I mean, J- Jalen Brown is certainly a big piece of this team, and he is one of the more consistent players they have this year. And he's very aggressive to the basket, which we haven't mentioned Gordon Hayward yet tonight. He had a pretty good game. I think that he had showed flashes of his old self again. Um, but it just seems like these guys can't all get it going at the same time. And I don't know if Jalen Brown coming back is going to fix that or what. But uh, I just – at the end of the game, you have a – you have to overcome a tough call on one end and a, a failed box out on the rebound to try and get – a nice shot for your best player. And they did that. They got the exact play that they wanted. They got Chris Paul in a mismatch in the post against Jason Tatum. And for whatever reason, Tatum tried to channel Kobe Bryant or something. And he, he turned to the fadeaway in the lane instead of taking him baseline and trying to get a dunk. I I just, I don't know. I I just, I think that was a bad decision. He short armed the shot. He's trying to fade it away and make it look flatty. And listen, I don't know if he's gonna if that's the type of player he's gonna be, and he's gonna improve on that, and it's gonna end up being a shot that he can go to, reminiscent of Kobe, Paul Pierce, etc. Then fine. But right now, there there was a better way to win that game, and and he he blew it. What? I I, I just don't see how you have Chris Paul, who's given up you know a good. I mean, I know Chris Paul is not the shortest of, of point guards, but. He's given up at least four or five inches to Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum deciding to dribble away from the basket. You know, he has him on his back and decides to dribble, you know, further away from the basket and then take a turnaround fadeaway shot that ends up way short. I mean, that thing hit like the bottom of the rim almost. That that was just yep. that was just trash. I can't believe I mean, and, that, and that's, I'm not saying that Jason Tatum, I'm, I'm not criticizing Jason Tatum as a player. No, it was a bad play. This year, but that was a very bad play. And, I mean, that combined with, I, I mean, I... I, I almost knew it was over when uh, Kemba Walker got robbed. Another, you know, you don't – I understand what he was trying to do, but why even pick up the dribble? Hold the ball. 
Just hold the ball and fi- well, until someone I mean, gets open and you cross it over the timeline. Yeah, you've got you to call the timeout, though, right? If you hold the ball there, you got you need a timeout because, I mean, you're going to give it up on the eight seconds. He had to try it. and get out of the trap, but he went the wrong way. He absolutely went the wrong you way. Can't go the, you can't go backwards into a trap. And then, and then to get it stripped by Dennis Schroeder. I mean, oh, Dennis, I mean, it just the, the fact that it's guys like Gerald LeVert and Dennis Schroeder, I don't even know LeVert's real first name. I just call him Gerald LeVert because it's the only thing yeah, I can relate Harris. to LeVert. Yeah, whatever. The LeVert and then, and then Dennis Schroeder. They, these were the last two games that I watched. Like I said, I missed the, the other three, I think, sandwiching in between there. But I, there was nothing, obviously, that I uh, missed because they weren't all fantastic games. But uh, you just you just can't let guys like, like LeVert and Schroeder have, you know, huge games. And for, you know, Schroeder, I know Schroeder is a talented player. I wouldn't mind having him on, on the Boston Celtics as a backup point guard because you can't get any worse than Brad Wanamisser. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> To, to let him, and especially when he did it, he he started roasting the Celtics and torching the Celtics. At the end of the half, he hit that you know that that long three point shot, and then he just got on fire from down from from downtown. What was he three for eight? I mean, that's not the greatest of shooting, but he did it when it mattered. Sometimes when you hit shots when they matter, you hit big shots. Uh, you know, at that point in the game, it just seems like they were that like that per, that player was you know you know, hotter than they actually were. And that's what Dennis Schroeder did. He hit shots that mattered, shots that, you know, that, that really kept the team, you know, in there. And uh, just disappointing to see that happen. I mean, you, you get 28 from Chris Paul, you expect that. Gallinari had 18, you know, that's fine. But there's no reason the Boston Southern should win that. And there's two bad plays on offense. Well, I mean, multiple bad plays on offense, I would say. But those two in particular were just, just make you sick to your stomach. The Kemba Walker getting stripped. And then, uh, it, well, and then the one you mentioned, the the, the non box out, and it's not even the, the Celtics out rebounded Oklahoma City forty six to thirty nine. It's it's just that point in the game. It's the Celtics played a decent yeah. game. I, I believe they were up double figures in the uh, second quarter. I just I don't I don't understand. It's like they they just got their head in the clouds or something, Nick. And uh, I mean. It, Brad Wanamaker, you mentioned him, is a problem as well. The bench is a problem. The bench is a problem. You, you can't deny that. Danny Ainge likes to say that he uh, really trusts the top seven guys, you know, and that's that's great. That's fine. But to me, it's really it's really just six. It's not even Who seven. Who is the seventh yeah. guy? I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who is the seventh guy? He's talking about Robert Williams. I, I think he really likes what Robert Williams brings to the table, and he thinks that his potential is – is going to be something, but I don't think that's happening this year. I think Danny Ainge is wearing some green goggles on Robert Williams, um, but it's the starting five and Marcus Smart. And I just maybe if you want to throw Cantor in there when he's on, like that's not. A, I still don't think you can even rely on him. So to me, you you need eight or nine, even ten guys. They won't make, they won't necessarily all play, but you need ten guys in the playoffs that you know you can rely on if you're going to have any sort of success so the Celtics really have six right now they have six and barely have seven I should say uh, that you can actually rely on night in night out so if anyone that uh, glosses over the fact that the bench is weak is not viewing the whole picture and they should focus on that a little bit more and I think uh if Danny Ainge really thought that this team was a championship contender he would have made a move at the deadline uh, to or in the buyout market to bring in somebody that could help them off the bench. So I just I don't know if I really believe all the things that he's spouting about this team this year, and it's it's disappointing because I I see the potential for them to go to the NBA Finals. I don't think they would win it, but I, I see the the potential for them. I'd give him a punch of shot. I'd give him a punch sure. of chance, and I, and I, you know what? I was talking to Bobby about these exact two subjects because they are so interrelated. Both you know the the Celtics. Uh, chances and uh, the you know the the need for grabbing anybody and about the Celtics chances I mean you have a situation where you know both Kevin Durant and now uh, the other guy that played for the Nets are not playing for the Nets and the Nets are a playoff team you know obviously without even that other guy and without even Kevin Durant this season they're they're borderline you know playoff team and they obviously seem to play the uh, the Boston Celtics fairly well I mean with a guy like Levert on your team you don't need anybody else who needs you know Kevin Durant you have Levert. But, uh, you know, with, with those two players out, it's not going to get any easier next year when both of those guys come back for the Nets. This is an opportunity where, this, you know, the Celtics 
they, they have a shot. I mean, I know that Milwaukee is the, is the odds-on favorite to come out of the East, but I think if any team in the Eastern Conference has, you know, the the, the defensive ability, has, you know, the, the offensive weapons, I mean, what what are the Milwaukee Bucks? It's Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, who even, I think, you know, like, you know, even non-casual fans don't really pay all that much attention to Chris Middleton. He's certainly not a household name. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Boston Celtics have Jason Tatum, and trust me, people know who Jason Tatum is. They, Tatum, Jason Tatum is one of those guys. The, the kids like Jason Tatum because he's a young guy and he's the new, you know, the new shiny, you know, uh, thing on the on the block, and that's cool. It's good to have a player like that for the Boston Celtics, but. There's an opportunity here, and I think for Danny Ainge not to to do anything about it is a waste. And speaking to Bobby Manning earlier, he brought up warming up to the idea of maybe bringing in a Jamal Crawford. And as far as I'm concerned, hell yeah, bring in a Jamal Crawford. Bring in anything. Is Evan Turner available? Can we get E.T. back or does somebody get him already? I mean, like, bring somebody back. Bring something on on this bench that will give you – I mean, if anybody anybody can consistently give you – I'm sorry for running a little bit long – eight points off this bench, they'd be the best bench player for the Celtics right now. No, honestly, bring in one of those guys, cut Javante Green or Brad Wanamaker, thank them for what they've given. Vincent Poirier, he has to go. Here. What's that? Vincent Poirier, what does he do? He's, oh, a, he's Poirier, literally sorry, a, a, he's a, a trash can right in sneakers. Now. Get him out of there. Sure. Yeah, fine. Cut Poirier. I don't care. But just, he's not playing anyway. He's not going. He's not part of the future. He reminds me of one of these guys that Ainge would stash, and, and then you would think, oh, he's he's yeah. got something up his sleeve. No, he doesn't have anything up yeah. his sleeve. <laughs> not a yeah. player. You know, he's you know a less Poirier exciting uh, Vitor Favorano. Zizic. Remember him? He's in Cleveland now, yes. scrubbing it up. That's Poirier. So, yeah, cut his ass, bring in a guy that can score off the bench, and make the playoffs legitimate again. And I just – I don't I don't see it happening. I, I, I think that they're going to have a nice run, and I'm not going to be disappointed with it because I, I see what their ceiling is, and I, I've been happy with the brand of basketball. But it's just been a little frustrating in the last week to see them just collapse down the stretch when they have these games in the bag, double-digit point leads – and they just yep. can't hold on to them for whatever reason. So it's 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 been frustrating to to watch some of these games. Uh, but either way, that's that where we're at. Uh, and I am going to end up opening up the call lines. I think so. We might as well throw it out there. Even though I was just I was being facetious at the beginning of the, the show. I was just joking. Please feel free to give us a call at three four seven two one five seven 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 one. And of course, those call lines are brought to you by betonline.ag and betonline we want you to know that they are the premier betting site in all of the world go check them out you have to go check them out because you can bet on anything you could have bet on some prop bets tonight you could have bet on the celtics if you had known what you were doing you would have bet on the oklahoma city thunder to cover that six point spread Uh, you can go uh, bet on some hockey games if you want golf is coming up and uh anytime that there's any sporting event, pretty much, you can find some odds or something to bet on over at betonline.ag. They've been in the industry for over 20 years, and they provide you, the customer, with the first-to-market odds, and that gives you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere, and uh, check out their mobile app as well. Go over to betonline.ag and use our promo code, which will bring you 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, that promo code is CLNS50. That's CLNS50. So go find some some better things to bet on than the Celtics. And uh, you can find those odds at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Nobody wants to talk about this game at the moment, but that's fine. The number again is 347 I do want to take some time and actually talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, Nick, because and we can get back to specific Celtics points later and, and talk about the future, what have you, whatever. I'm surprised by this Oklahoma City team. Nobody believed in them going into the season. Everybody thought that they were going to be trash. They're Chris Paul. They they just traded away Paul George just to get Chris Paul back as con, uh, contract filler. Uh, and they they stole Shea Gilgis Alexander from the Clippers as well, who we didn't even see tonight. Uh, but he's he's the real reason they made that trade, and then he's a few years away. Blah 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 blah. This team has found a way to win 40 games 
in the Western Conference two-thirds of the way through the season. This is blowing my mind. And the main reason to me is Chris Paul. Because even though we saw Dennis Schroeder play out of his mind tonight and he's having a very good season, he's not – he doesn't play like this every game. Chris Paul seems to be playing like this every game. He is back to that all-star status that he kind of lacked. He was injury-prone in Houston. and he, I mean, I just – I feel like he's back to carrying this team because look around. Who else is it? Gallinari, Steven Adams? I mean, those are solid players. But when it comes down to it, this team is driven by Chris Paul and pretty much him alone. And where they go or as far as he goes, they go. And I just – I want to give them – some credit because I, I just I think that they've surprised a lot of people. They've taken the league by by storm, if you will, and they are in a position to make a nice little first round exit. I think, but the fact that they're there playing <laughs> as well is is um, credit to, to Chris Paul. I think so. I just wanted to give them a little credit and it sort of take the blow, take the the uh, harshness off the uh, the loss because the Celtics did lose to a pretty good team tonight, folks. It's not like they, they lost to the bottom of the league. Well, it certainly doesn't uh, help the Celtics' case to say the Oklahoma City Thunder are garbage and then the Celtics lost the garbage. You know, you, it's, it's certainly a better uh, strategy, a better tact to uh, talk up the opponent that just, you know, stole the game from right up under you, under you at, you know, your own uh, home court. I mean, give the give the Oklahoma City Thunder credit. They'll go as far as Chris Paul will take them, and that's usually not very far in the playoffs. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a nice story. Lose to the Nuggets, but the fact that they're in there ahead of the likes of Portland, San Antonio, Phoenix, who everybody was really high on at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Golden Aaron Baines State is balling, though. Imagine if you had Aaron Baines. Yeah, there you go. The Timberwolves, who people thought were going to be great again, because or great for the first time ever, because they have Carl Anthony Towns and they were going to team him up and everything was going to be great. No, these teams are all bad somehow, and the the Thunder have found a way to win. So I think the most of the credit goes to Chris Paul, and he's just showing off. He's showing it. He's saying, "Listen, I can still play this game." So. I think it's uh, it'll be interesting because I'm not I don't know how how long his contract is, but if they can continue to make noise in the Western Conference, I just think it's going to pad his legacy a little bit. Even though, like you said, he doesn't necessarily go very far in the playoffs that often, um, but it's it's good to see him balling again because I've always liked Chris Paul. Has he been to a conference finals yet? I, I just remember memes going back like decades now, like the you know the conference finals version. And I, has he made it to the to the to the conference finals? Did he get to the conference finals at Houston? I thought they went. Did not make it. Yeah, I, they, I thought they went. Uh, two, Maybe the Clippers. Two, I don't know. Gold, yeah, eight, two it's years possible. ago, 2018. Yeah, that sounds about. Yeah, that's right. I don't see them. I don't see them even making like you said a nice first round exit. It's a nice story for the for the regular season, just like the uh, the Miami Heat are a nice you know story for the regular season. They're a surprising thing. I didn't think I didn't think the Heat were gonna you know uh, you know be up there with the with the Celtics. I don't know what they're they're at now, but I know they were competing with the Celtics for a little while for that uh, third spot. You know, it's, it's just another. Uh, regular season story. I don't I don't see Oklahoma City. I, I think they're a nice team. I think they obviously had uh the, the pieces to uh to beat uh, and beat the Boston Celtics. Um three players in double, you know, double figures. I mean, it was really a Chris Paul and uh Dennis Schroeder show. I thought, I thought uh you know, Dennis Schroeder that, you know, lean in that 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 pump fake and lean in. Uh, you know, that's some of that stuff is a little bit, you know, some of that stuff is a little bit funny. I think some of that stuff detracts from the game of basketball, but it is what it is. It is the game as it is. And uh, Gallinari had a quiet game. I don't know. This, to me, uh, to to bring it back to the Celtics real quick, is, you know, something that I've said in previous uh, uh, CLNS Media postgame shows is that I think when uh, in games where Gordon Hayward is your best player, the Boston Celtics don't generally uh, come out on top in those games. 
At least that's mm. what I get the feeling. Again, I'd have to go back and look at the records and see what it is. But in games where Gordon Hayward is is the is you know the the leader of the team in whatever capacity you, you deem to be leader, and he's the one that seems to be carrying the team, it just doesn't seem to be enough. And that's just an impression mm. that I get. All right, I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold on to that just for a second because I just want to say that Chris Paul is gonna go down as the greatest player ever to never win a championship. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, now as I gotta as, think of players that never won a championship. There's a lot of them that were pretty damn good. Give you a bunch, but a he's, he's gonna be the best one. You think he's better than Stockton, Malone, Barkley, Elgin Baylor, Harden, Nash, Reggie Miller? I'm looking at a list, obviously, but um, that's I, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about. I don't about know him. if he's better than all those guys. I don't know if he's I better think, than all those guys. I think he is, but that maybe I'm a little biased. Patrick anyway, Ewing? Uh, Ewing's definitely on that list. Yeah, he's up there. Um, as far as Hayward is concerned, I I don't know if I can agree with it. I I would love if somebody had numbers on that because from what from what my eyes tell me, he he when Hayward is running point or he's having a good game and he's aggressive, things seem to be going well on the floor. And yeah. I just I don't know if it's it, I don't know what it was about the the Celtics tonight. He, when Hayward was on the floor, they played pretty well. It, it seemed to be when he was on the bench, the guys couldn't really get it going, whether it was Tatum or, or Kemba Walker or uh, even Marcus Smart. I mean, it, they, the numbers showed that they had decent games, but it just it it seemed like they had more missed opportunities tonight than the, the opportunities that they cashed in on. So I don't know if you're saying sort of like an overall point of Hayward being the best player in the game is not what the Celtics want, then I would agree with you. You want your best player to be Tatum. You want your second best player to be Kemba Walker, in my opinion. And uh, Hayward comes in at three slash four, depending on how Jalen Brown is feeling that night. Uh, so I just I w- I don't want him being the best player. And I I think that um, when they brought him in with Al Horford on the team and another talented star player, they they. Didn't, they thought the same thing. They, he wasn't supposed to be the, the best player at that in that situation either. He was supposed so, to be number two. He was an all-star coming off of that. He he, he went to yeah, the all-star game. Horford is, especially in green, in, in his years in the Celtics, I think that he was a, a number two type of guy. But Hayward Horford, yeah, he, you're right. He should have probably been the number two. But I, I don't think he should be number one. I just I think I like the way that he handles the basketball. And to me – this yes. might be the way that you uh, cover up the Brad Wanamaker problem in the playoffs. You just lean more heavily on Gordon Hayward to handle the ball uh, and just wipe Wanamaker off the out of the rotation entirely. Just get him out of there. He won't have to. You won't have to see him stopping on a two-on-one fast break when he gives the ball to Tatum. It's called a give and go, not a give and stop. The, you don't just stop that like pathetic. that early on in the game, and it was just one of those things that. This guy it doesn't he doesn't seem to get it recently, and it, I don't know. I'm not blaming him, but the whole team just sort of seems to be like like I said earlier, their head in the clouds. They don't seem to be focused, especially down the stretching games over the last week or two. So that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah, and, and just to close off the uh, the Garden Hayward, you know, talk, and it's not it's not obviously when he's playing well, the the Boston Celtics are playing better. I just think that in games where he is the clear-cut leader of of the of the team in that in in any given particular game, the results don't generate. At least from what I've observed, and this is just anecdotal. I haven't gone back and reviewed all the stats. But in games like this one, where he had 20, 24 points in the next leading score, you had Tatum with nineteen and and Smart with nineteen and Kemba with fourteen. I mean, he was he was the guy that carried the team for most of the game. Is that I just, it just I just get the impression that when he's the clear cut you know best player on the court on that given night because you have a team where you have a bunch of talented players and you know any given one of them Jalen Brown Jason Tatum Kimball Walker Gordon Hayward you know even you know Marcus Smart has his moments uh, you know when they. Yeah, any one of them can can catch on fire. I think it's when Gordon Hayward is the one that's carrying the brunt of the team. I th- you know as, as good as he is when he is playing well and as and as and as good as he is at playing that point forward position that I think he's basically filled in for what 
Al Horford used to do in terms of like being that point front court player as a, a, a guy that plays point out of the front court. But just think when he's the you know he's leading the team in, in, on any given night, he does well, he looks good. I just don't think that the the results are generally all that you know positive. I think he needs to be you know anywhere between the second and fourth best player, and he needs to be out there running and confident and passing the ball and taking some of that pressure off of Kemba to have to you know be the uh, the point the, the the point. I think Marcus Smart had some fantastic passes tonight also and but I, I like what Hayward offers I just think if he if if he's the main guy that night I don't think the Celtics you know come out on top that's just that's just a, an observation I'll go back and check out the games and look at the box scores and see if that's true and, the, and next time I get on the air I'll own whether I'm my my whether the eye test is accurate or not that's just the feeling that I get I'd rather I'd rather see Jason Tatum go for you know 30 and, and Gordon Hayward go for you know 19 or 20 as opposed to having Gordon Hayward do what he did tonight you know what I mean that's just kind of yeah. the, the, the feeling I get well, somebody else told you to that but going and checking on that stat, by the way, you can you can let somebody else make sure you come back and say that one for us all. Um, <laughs> but I just I because I, I, I just don't I I don't know well enough whether I don't even know how many games he has been the leading scorer for the Celtics this year. I could probably basketball reference that real quick, but uh, I digress. Anyway, um, let's let's sort of touch on the next few games, not even the next few games, but just looking forward. And I want to get your opinion. I mean, I've been talking to people recently and going on various shows or what have you. And uh, on the, on the the network here and sort of saying that I, I would prefer the Celtics to have that home court advantage. Number two seed going, especially going up against a Toronto Raptors team. If they're the three, if you get that far, uh, because it's tough. It's been really tough for the Celtics to win in Toronto. So on the other hand, they need to be healthy just in general. They're not going to have a good shot at winning if they're not healthy. So where do you fall on this side of the, uh, or on this argument? I'm like 51% health, 49% uh, home court advantage, because I just, I can't, I can't imagine the Celtics winning a game seven in Toronto. I, I don't know why. I just don't see it happening. Um, so I want them to, to have that two seed, but at the same time, obviously, guys like Kemba Walker need to rest a little bit. Jason Tatum, even though he's young, has had a lot of minutes in the last month or so, and you don't want to run him down too quickly. Uh, pretty much load management happens throughout the league, and it's something you try to balance as a head coach. But Brad Stevens is in the tough spot where that two seed is, is there. It's within they just need to win games, and it's not been happening recently. Uh, but how how important do you think that is versus health? Uh, yeah, I would definitely. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really depends on what the what the actual evaluations of these players are. And I think that we saw some things tonight from Kimber Walker that makes me think you, you, where they're pulling him off of the minutes restriction. He had what thirty one minutes tonight. Uh, that there were like that missed layup. That, that he had, and I know that that was you know, that was a clear open layup. The the uh, the Jason Tatum missed layup was just too strong because he was a little bit out of control. He was going a little bit too hard to hold. But that that was Kemba Walker, and there were just a couple of moments where it didn't look like Kemba was, you know, the 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 same Kemba as he was, you know, before. Now there are some situations where I know that these. You know these injuries are just excuses to get you know for for load management. They have to say something, so they say this is what it is, or something else like that. So depending on what the severity is of what's going on, um, I don't think anything. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter if half the team is injured. You know, whether or not you have the second seed and you're at home, or you have you know the the the, the sixth or seventh seed and you're you know playing on the road through the through the entire you know uh, playoffs. If if you're if, clearly and especially with this team uh, that has no bench and that, you know, Danny Ainge has made, you know, no overtures to try to, you know, uh, to supplement is that if, you know, any one of those main, you know, five guys, and I say this team probably has, 
Yeah, if there's if there's six guys you can depend on, you know what I'm saying, on any given night, I think that's that's about it. I don't know who the seventh guy was if Danny Ainge said seven. Maybe yeah. Ennis Cantor, but I don't think you can depend on Ennis Cantor or Robert Williams. Either one of them, you can't depend on them to, you know, be consistent with what they're doing. So if any of those main guys are hurt, I, I don't think it matters, you know, one way or the other. And I, and I at the same time, I think that if the team is entirely healthy, I think they can compete, you know, uh, you know, they can compete with anyone. Although looking back on this season, one of the biggest complaints that I've had is, you know, show me where the big road wins are at. And and they just haven't had all that many of them. I think they have the ability to, to do it. I think if they're, if all the cylinders are clicking, I think, you know, in, in the playoffs, they can do that, but they, they need to be healthy for all cylinders to be clicking. All this kind of like, you know, patchwork, you know, filling the, the holes, you know, Gordon misses one day and then, you know, Jalen Brown is out the next and, you know, they're just all just filling in the things. I think that's great for, uh, for, for them in terms of learning, you know, where, how they can fill holes in case, you know, in, in, for, for a certain game, for situational, uh, you know, things like that in game situations. But, they have to be healthy. I I want them to go for this. I think there are some things that Brad has to. It's really on Brad. If Brad had obviously, I mean, you know, it, it, the sky is blue, water is wet. It's really on Brad to you know make that decision. But you can't continue to lose games like this because it's not just about. But the Boston Celtics go on, you know, and, and, and hit this, you know, kind of, you know what I'm saying, like dirty underwear skid for the rest of the, the season. They're going to be going into the playoffs with no momentum. So you right. know you 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 can't you can't just continue to go. I mean, and like you said, it was only Jalen Brown tonight. But I think Jalen Brown, out of all of them, is the one guy that you just can't replace on both ends of the of the the hardest to replace on both ends of the court. Um, and you know, you you can't. You, there has to be some adjustment by Brad Stevens. What we've seen from the past five games, where they took four L's and a win to to Cleveland. Uh, on the back of Shemi Ojale, uh, there has to be some type of you know balance, some type of adjustment by Brad Stevens because what's what's working right now, it's not it's not no matter how healthy they are. I, and I agree with you, it's kind of like teetering back and forth. I think health is most important, but I think that you know you can't go into this team can't go into the playoffs without you know a head full of steam and without some type of momentum. They can't go in there just you know you know walking backwards. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, across right. the finish line. Oh, right. Yep. They need to figure it out. They need to figure out the rotations. And that's another thing that as far as the big men are concerned, and we keep talking about how many players deep they are. Well, Brad Stevens still trying to figure out his big man rotation with Tice Cantor and Robert Williams. He doesn't know who should play where, and he's trying to play the matchups. And uh, years ago, I started thinking that he was, one of the better coaches at finding a matchup. And it, it's main. I think now looking back, it's just because that's what he was forced to do. If you have to pick yeah. the right matchup every single night, then I mean, more often than not, I guess if you're a good coach, you're going to, you're going to pick the right matchup. But um, to this, this time around with these, these three big men that he has to rotate in and out. Uh, Cause you can't as, as great as Tice has been and as, valuable as he is compared to his contract and all this great stuff that you love about Daniel Tice. You can't rely on an undersized guy like that night in, night out for 35 minutes a game. That's why he doesn't play more than 25 or 26 minutes a game, something like that. You need to find the right mix of Cantor and Williams. And recently it's just not been working. So I'm a little concerned that he's going to still be tinkering with it when the playoffs roll around. Uh, So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks and a couple of months here until actually we got about a month left of the regular season before the playoffs start. Um, so he's running out of time if he's got to figure that out still, but maybe things will all come into place when Jalen Brown is healthy and everybody's back and they, they figure things out at that point. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll just wait until the end of March instead of uh, early to mid March where we are right now. Um, but either way that, that two seed is, further and further away pretty much with every game they play it seems uh this past week or so they were a game back not too long ago now they're two and a half back so uh Celtics definitely have their work cut out for them if they want to have that home court advantage in the the second and third round uh of the playoffs well and I think it's important but like you said health ultimately is probably the most important thing with this team because 
they are thin after the first six players. Yeah. Very thin. Um, all right. We have about almost 15 minutes, uh, almost 20 minutes left here on the show. Um, and I'll throw the phone number out there again, 347-215-7771. Of course, if you want to get on, press 1 when you jump on the lines here. Um, and we're kind of running out of specific things to talk about because this game was nothing special, especially down the stretch. It was just another collapse by the Celtics. Uh, and I, I hate to keep going back to Chris Paul, Nick, but I did just see before the game, NBA TV uh, tweeted out that Chris Paul has the most clutch points in the NBA this year with 160. And to that, I say I am not surprised because he had a couple of clutch baskets against the Celtics tonight as well. So he's just continuing his his uh, stretch of nice stretch of play. But as we discussed earlier, they probably won't reach the second round and if they do they definitely aren't going much further than that so uh, props are Chris Paul but again another great regular season performance for him will probably go away um, one thing I do want to ask about though because I know that you've been vocal about Marcus Smart in the past so I want to ask you about Marcus Smart just in general because people are starting to wonder if uh, and this isn't a straw man I actually had somebody ask me this the other day is is his composure becoming a problem again? And um, after the incident, after the Brooklyn Nets game, when he w- sort of went at the ref, didn't touch him or anything, he was subsequently fined. Uh, a local radio show actually asked Danny Ainge about Marcus Smart's uh, composure and uh, things that have happened in the past, etc. And Danny Ainge basically said that Marcus has been making progress slowly over his course of career. Uh, And I would tend to agree. And I think that recently he's been extremely composed and he's been one of the leaders on the team um, in that manner. And he, and he's a guy that young players are looking to, and he's setting an example. I think he's been great, but there obviously is still that tendency within him to, to get triggered a little bit and angry when things don't go his way time after time, after time. Uh, Maybe he was just frustrated with, getting hit in the junk one too many times without a call, but uh, he's had a few run-ins with the referees this week. Do you think that that is becoming a problem again and something the Celtics need to worry about? Or is he probably going to – is it just a, a off week, a, a bad stretch for him, and what you've seen for more of the season is, as far as consistency, is, is that what you think he's going to be going forward? Well, I think with uh... – Marcus, you have to take, you know, the the when you have that type of personality, when you have the the that 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 fire, that intensity, that emotion, uh, you, you know, you have to take that in order to get the full, you know, Marcus Smart, the, all the all the you know hustle plays and all those uh, those plays that get his teammates fired up, all the you know all that fire that he uses to you know to to talk his teammates up because he's become that vocal leader i think like you just mentioned he's been somebody that's you know been uh the guy that you know that, that gets the, the the huddle so to speak you know fired up before going back in there he's always you know when he's on the sidelines when he's in the game you saw romeo langford you know jump up over half the uh the the, the thunder team and it was marcus smart who was there to you know give him a little nudge on the on the back if he didn't have the, that intensity and that emotion, he wouldn't be the player that he is. And I think that's why when we keep coming back to this question about why hasn't Brad Stevens reeled in Marcus Smart on X, Y, Z negative attribute that you know we've all known about Marcus Smart, it's because if once you start reeling back a guy like that, once you start pulling back on a player like that, uh, you you end up missing a lot of those positive things, those intangible things. That's one of the uh, that's one of the the, the, the the pitfalls or one of the kind of like double-edged swords of having uh, players that, you know, rely on intangibility and intangibles and emotion is that type of thing. Is that, you know, sometimes that, that you know, emotion is one of the hardest things to control. Is, you know, lot, when you can think, when you can, you know, keep keep yourself composed with logic and reason even in high stress you know situations you're going to come out with you know with with you're going to yield better results but you know Marcus Smart we love him as fans because he's kind of like that wild card he's that guy that gets things you know intense and you can it, it that generates those great plays that he gives us 
you know, but it also generates some of the boneheaded plays, that, you know, or some of the boneheaded actions. I don't even know if they're plays. And so it's, it's like I said, it's a, it's a, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't, or a double-edged sword, because if you pull back on Marcus Smart, you're going to lose out on some of the things that we like about Marcus Smart. So, you, you, this, again, it's a balancing act, and that's one of those things that Brad Stevens is going to have to, you know, figure out is how to balance, you know, the good Marcus Smart with those those aspects. And hopefully maybe, you know, Marcus Smart will continue to mature and we'll see less of, you know, he'll be able to control that, that aspect. I think that, you know, there's this discussion in and of itself has a lot of, you know, uh, socio-political elements to it. I think Marcus Smart has been kind of a little polarizing to certain segments of the sports population. Even before he got to the Celtics, he was drafted after jumping into the stands and, uh, you know, going after a fan. And I'm not bringing that up to, to remind anybody because if what I understand of the situation is true, some of these fans need to be told to, you know, STFU. But maybe not by, you know, one of the yep. players coming off the court. But that, you know, with Marcus Smart, you just, you, you have to, he has to be the one that does that. And you're going to lose, you know, uh, some of that fire and some of that intensity if you start reeling him back in. And that's just, you know, the, the player that Marcus Smart is. Oh, you know what? I, I think you're right as far as fans are concerned as well. And I saw something come across Twitter earlier. Uh, uh, Abby Chin put out there that Chris Paul got into a little altercation with uh, one of the fans at, at center court or mid court. Uh, Paul's always been an asshole. No, but I mean, apparently the young kid said something that Chris Paul didn't appreciate. And he called him, he said back to him, you're privileged. And then he walked over and introduced himself and then told the kid to put some respect on his name. So I don't, I don't know what happened. Obviously that's just a tweet from the Celtic sideline reporter, but um, it just, it, it's, it's something that, that fans really, shouldn't be getting involved with uh, yelling at like obscene things or something like that. I don't know what the kid said, but if it was, if it was offensive to Chris Paul, then um, he has every right to clap back in my opinion. It's when things get physical and that's what people started to question about Marcus smart in college. I mean, someone calls him the N word and he goes in the stands. I don't blame him for that, but he's got to draw the line and maybe look I mean, obviously he couldn't look at what Chris Paul did tonight, but there are examples of players that do do it respectfully, even though the person that they are involved or getting yell or the person that's yelling at them is not being respect respectful at all. So there are ways to get around it, and you got to draw the line at physicality. Um, but I, I think that Marcus has been really good at, at swallowing his pride at times, and even with referees and just being a little bit more calm than he was uh, as a a rookie and a a really young player in this league. So I'm not really that concerned with it. I think you're right. I think the intensity that he brings is something that needs to be there. And that's just the way he plays. And he's never going to stop being that intense. And the day that he does, uh, I don't think he's going to be a very successful basketball player anymore because that's, that's part of the reason that he is so good at what he does because the intensity and just the high level of play is there at all times. He doesn't stop. His motor is extremely high at all times. So uh, I, I don't know about the, uh, I don't know about the social aspects of some of the things that he gets into, but I think that he has definitely shown uh, a maturity, especially this year. And Going forward, I, I'm not worried about it. So I, I, I'm only asking the question because people seem to be bringing it up recently. And uh, I was running out of things to talk about tonight. So I'm glad that we're on the same side here because Marcus Smart is something, somebody that the Celtics definitely need playing at that type of a level. Well, when I, when I say the social political aspects is I just don't want to see Marcus Smart being portrayed as, you know, the – uh, for you know, for lack of a better word, the you know the the unhinged, angry black athlete. You know what I mean? And I think that that that's the stigma that you know that that I I can see already the narrative you know starting to to build around that. It was it started you know four and a half years ago, five years ago. You know before he came out of college. And I don't think I don't think that's Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart is a, from from the from what I gather of all of the things. Marcus Smart is an intelligent and, and fine, you know, you know, young basketball player. And Chris Paul, and they mentioned, you know, tonight on the the the, the broadcast, you heard Scal talking about 
uh, Chris Paul probably chirps at the referees more than any other uh, player in the league, or as much as any. I mean, it's hard to chirp. Excuse me, more than LeBron James. But you know, also having had multiple altercations with you know fans or situations where he's you know maybe tonight he did it more respectfully, but I know in the past he's had some fairly significantly disrespectful uh, comments with you know or, or in exchanges with fans. Um, you know that, and this is taking Chris Paul now. How many years has he been in the league? I mean, he's going on what is it, like twenty five, thirty years in the league. <laughs> he's he's an old man. Uh, maybe not that long. I'm exaggerating. But I mean, Marcus Smart's working on his fifth season. Chris Paul is still dealing with some of these, you know, some of these talky issues, some of these, you know, the issues of respect and disrespect, and you know, you know, talking with the referees and talking with fans. That you know, True. and he's in. I mean, he's got to be what? How many? How many seasons has Chris Paul been in the league? Fifteen. I mean, you know, he's he's been in the league about triple the amount of time that Marcus Smart has been in the league, and he's still learning that process. So to put that on Marcus Smart, I don't, I don't really want to see that. And in my personal opinion, is to end the thought is that I think Marcus Smart is a defensive player of the year and I would I would want I would hate to see him uh lose his opportunity at getting that uh that that award because of extraneous you know activities that then get blown up by the uh the the, the national sports media or the local Boston media one of the stories I read uh, you know uh, in one of the you know more popular blogs or something like that was you know the uh the the Marcus Smart experience and you know taking the good with the bad all that's like you know yeah, he's a little bit, you know, there, but we know that's that's what makes Marcus Smart the Cobra. That's what makes him what he is, you know. And he he's gonna he'll learn. He he'll have to learn. And I just hope that you know I don't want to see stigmas attached to players that I think are are you know decent young players and uh, possibly lose you know access because the NBA doesn't want to have you know the the the, the stigma of having a guy like Marcus Smart a guy like Marcus Smart you know win an award and be recognized for an award because no, he's seen on him. I'm really hoping that that's not something that is even possible at this point. If David Stern uh, were still the commissioner, you know, and, and I'll say and I'll say his name respectfully now that he's dead, I wouldn't have said it, you know respectfully if he was still alive but if david stern were commissioner that would absolutely be a factor in considering mm. who gets an award is based on whether or not that player you know is, is, looks you know clean uh in terms of their their behavior you know if, if it would be a uh, a scandal to you know you give a controversial player maybe yeah, not Ad, adam silver but david stern definitely well, I think you're right, though, as far as uh, Marcus Smart deserving the Defensive Player of the Year is concerned. Uh, and he's getting some some discussion from talking heads, Dwayne Wade, et cetera. These guys all agree. But it's the fact that he can guard anybody. He can he, he doesn't he's back down from anyone. He's not afraid to go up against the center or get dunked on, which he rarely gets dunked on, by the way. He's usually at least getting a foul in there or a piece of the ball. Uh, he's a nasty he, block he, in that Brooklyn game. I know, yeah, against a seven-footer. So it's it's the type of player that deserves the defensive player of the year. He makes those types of plays. Uh, I mean, tonight you saw him sort of poke the ball away, or, or the ball was poked away, and he chased it down and beat um, old old non-friend Abdel Nader, that bum, I can't believe he's still in the league. Uh, he beat him <laughs> to the ball and ended up getting a foul or getting a layup and a potential three-point play. Um, I don't think that was a foul, but – they gave it to him anyway, so he, whatever he deserved it, because there were plenty of calls that went to something or went to Thunder's way as well. Um, but either way, I, I just I think that Marcus Smart does make all the types of players that a defensive player of the year would make, and um, I w- I really hope that they go his way and not focus on a big man like Rudy Gobert or something like that this year. Or I mean, even like Anthony Davis has had a pretty good defensive year, I think. Uh, but Marcus Smart to me is a game changer defensively, and at six foot five, whatever he is, that's more impressive than a guy that's seven feet and changing the game. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And um, I know that the uh, broadcast right. we're, we're, burning, we're burning time on this, but I thought maybe just to close out if. You didn't have any other ideas as to maybe take a look at the next couple of games. Yep. I know that there's a game uh, coming up on Tuesday. We'll be covering that yep. one. Yep, and we, we will definitely have post-game coverage for that as well. So, I mean, obviously tune in to every post-game show that we have here. Uh, but the Celtics do have a couple more important games coming up. It, it was a, a tough stretch going into the weekend. Utah, uh, Oklahoma City, 
obviously two tough games. They lost them both, but then you've got Indiana and good old Milwaukee. And who knows if Giannis will be back by then they've, they've lost a couple games here without him. Uh, but Indiana is a tough team, especially on the road. And then you're going to Milwaukee as well. Like I just said, uh, regardless of whether Giannis plays or not, if the Celtics are not healthy in that game, that's probably going to be a tough one to win. Uh, and especially if he does play. So, Obviously, they have to focus on the Pacers first. And, Nick, I'm interested in this game because I have a weird feeling that the Pacers game um, towards the end of the season, let's see, that's April 8th, that it'll be like the the fifth to last game. I think that game is going to have some importance in the standings. And it's possible at that point that the, the, the Pacers could fall down to six um, depending on what happens with the Sixers uh, going forward uh, and the Pacers for that matter. So you might be seeing a first round matchup between the Celtics and, and the Pacers in these next, in this game on Tuesday. And then again, uh, a month from now, a month from today, actually. So these games are, to me are important, not only to sort of see what things, what sort of matchups you might be able to exploit if you're the Celtics, but also and I've I said this in, in years past, to give them a little bit of confidence against a team that they might see in the first round. So I think coming out strong on Tuesday in Indiana is going to be an important thing to, for them to do. Definitely. I mean, if you look down the schedule, there's a, there's several teams that, you know, theoretically could be, you know, within the – you know, within the the realm of Boston Celtics potential first round matches as they come down the you know the stretch, you know after this you know after these two road games against Indiana and then Milwaukee the the Midwest road trip, um, they have some pretty easy games you know at home against uh, Washington and at Chicago and then at home against New York. I think those are that's a that's a that's a place where they could make up some ground on that two seed. But um, you know at the end of the season they have another game at at Brooklyn. You have another game uh, against Miami, another game against Orlando. Two games against both Orlando and Miami, in home and away, against both of those teams. But, you know, all the along with Indiana, those are all teams that, you know, could be potential, you know, first-round matchups for the, for the Boston Celtics. So those are games that I think that, you know, like you mentioned, not just for standing's sake, but also for the sake of gaining momentum and having confidence heading into the playoffs are going to be important. And one last thing I wanted to mention about the uh, the schedule. Interesting the way it's been mapped out, I'm sure you're looking at it as well, is that we have Indiana and Milwaukee on the road, then Washington at home, then Chicago on the road, then New York at home. Then there's four road games, followed by six home games, and then three road games in a row, and then, and then closing at home against Chicago in April 15th. So you have two long streak three long streaks of both uh away games road trip four game road trip followed by six i can't believe there's six games in a row but yeah. six games in a row at home and that's another opportunity yeah. for the Boston Celtics to make up some ground on some of these teams because they have those you know six games at home you know they don't got to go anywhere that's a that's a good time for the team to really figure out what it's doing because they don't have to go anywhere. They're all, they're going to be by their facilities, near the facilities. They're going to all be in the same place. It's not going to be travel days in between all that. That's where they can really, I think, pick up some ground. Because some of those, you know, some of those games are against teams that are going to be competitive for, you know, some of the, for a top four seed or possibly competitive for a first round matchup with the Celtics. And it's also, you know, like I said, they're they're at home. They have the opportunity to get comfortable. They're sleeping in their own beds. You know what I mean. And I'd like to see something like that happen. Head, you know, going forward uh, for the Boston Celtics. And I'd also like to see Giannis miss that game uh, <laughs> coming up in a couple of days against Milwaukee. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck to to you on that one. I bet he comes back and plays, but we'll see. Uh, the the end of the regular season is always an interesting time to be watching NBA basketball because you never know who's going to play and who's not. Um, but they are still jockeying for position, and these games are going to be important for them to get that two seed if they can. And like we said, have a little momentum going into the playoffs and some confidence. So either way, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. We had a good time talking about this loss, 105 to 104. The Celtics lose to the Thunder and Chris Paul uh, on a last-second short shot by Jason Tatum. He didn't 
make it, so they didn't win. Uh, hopefully, next time we do a show together, Nick, they will win, and hopefully they'll win on Tuesday. Not sure who's going to be doing that one, but we will have you covered here on CLNS Media. So for everyone here at CLNS Media, my name is Matt Rory, and I thank you all for listening. Tune in on Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern after the Celtics take on the Indiana Pacers. All right, we're getting out of here, so I'm going to press this button. Thank you.